are helicopter parents. Anybody? <laughs> I love that you admit it. A helicopter parent is a parent who's just like always there hovering over their child. How many of you are snowplow parents? Minnesotans? <laughs> Anybody? Snowplow? Do you know what that one is? They go before their kids and they clear out all the, the path, anything that would obstruct their children from getting whatever it is that they want. Uh, if you're a snowplow parent, let me just say this, and I'm going to say this as as nicely as I can. Stop it. <laughs> that is not a good thing. Children need to go through stuff. Ugh. And as a parent, I'm sorry if you're not a parent, but uh, it's not a parent, but if you are a parent, please don't try to make life so easy for your children that they never have to grow that they never have to develop, that they never have to learn to die to themselves or serve someone else or give up their agenda, okay? Okay? All you snowplow parents. Um, that was a great word. It, he set me up so perfectly for the message today. So we're on a road to discover our beliefs. It's, it's a series we're calling Credo, which means we believe um, we're going we're gonna to go off the road a little bit into a cul-de-sac, calling, we're calling it the fruit of the spirit. And we're on the third week of this, so um, this is taken out of Galatians chapter 5, and remember, it's easy to, to memorize them, because the first three have one syllable, the second three have two syllables, and the third three have three syllables. So the first three, how many of you remember what the first three are? These are the three things all humans want. What are they? Love, joy, peace. Okay, those are the three things everyone wants. Okay, what are the second three? We talked about these last week. Patience, kindness, goodness. Okay, and now today, we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics in the world, and that is faithfulness, then gentleness, which I'm still working on, <laughs> and self-control. Okay, so those are the last three, so we're going to sew this up this week. Um, open your Bibles. If you have your Bible, if you have a paper Bible, I like it when you bring those. I personally, um, maybe I'm just old school, but I, I, there's something about... I don't know, flipping the pages that I really enjoy. But if not, if you have your mobile device and you don't get distracted by all your notifications and pop-ups, then please turn in your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, I'm going to just stop right there. The fruit, this is not fruits, plural. This is fruit, so this is a concatenation of all of the fruits. This is a, a conglomeration of all the fruits. This is like you take all the fruit and you mix it up in a blender. It's, a, it's like a fruit smoothie. This is, these are all things that if you name the name of Jesus and you are walking in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, some of you are walking in spirits that aren't super holy, but if you're walking in the Holy Spirit... There should be evidence. You should be all these things, not just like, like you could fake it, certain, certain ones of these. You can, you can fake like you're loving, you know? You can act like you're loving. But then when it's tested, then the, the truth comes out. You're actually just as selfish as everyone else. Or you can act, even like today we're gonna talk about self-control. You can have the appearance of self-control but maybe you're just in denial. Maybe there's a storm brewing inside you that's gonna come out eventually when you're, the, the right button is pushed. This is talking about all of the evidence of the fruit, the smoothie of the spirit. I should have called this message the smoothie of the spirit, but anyway. Um, the, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. Say this with me, patience, goodness. Now, these are the three for today. Say it with me. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It says the law is not against such things. I mean, there's no country where you'll go and they'll say, I'm sorry, ma'am, you're being a little too patient. That's going to be a $500 fine. There's no such thing. There's no law against these things. Is there? Can anybody think of any of these that there's a law in any country? There's not, because these are all desirable characteristics. And just 
spoiler alert, you can't do this on your own. This has to be by the spirit of the living God. You can only do it for so long. You can only be patient for so long. You can only be kind or nice for so long. And if you're pushed the wrong way, your humanity will come out. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Whatever whatever squeezes you, that's what's going to come out. That's what's really going on. (laughs) Okay, so we talked about the concatenation of all of the fruit. It's all mixed together. And it says, um, the first one that we're going to talk about today is faithfulness. I love this topic. The original word in Greek is pistis. Okay? Some of you... I, I, won't, I won't go there today. Um, this word means trust, confidence, fidelity, and character of one who can be relied on. This word can mean either faithfulness as in, you know, wow, Joe, he's, that guy's super loyal. You know, that guy, he, he just always, he shows up when you need him. That's, that's a form of faithfulness, but I believe that the one that the, that the word is talking about here is the faithfulness that says, I trust in God no matter what I see. That, that I trust in God, that I'm going to obey God even when I don't understand what he's doing. Okay, that is faithfulness. It's, it's, the, it's the trust and the confidence that no matter what my circumstances, no matter what I'm seeing before me, I know God is good. We sang that song, you are good. God is always good, and he is always doing what is for our benefit. See, like even the the parenting thing, you know, letting your kids struggle is, is okay, because we know that when we struggle, suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. All, that process has to be, you have to walk through that. And you're not going to ever get that if you never have your faith tested. You know, it says in First Peter, it says that our, our faith is more precious than gold. And it says that our faith is tested in the fire. The refiner's fire is where they take gold and they heat it up to such a high temperature that all of the impurities come to the surface and then they scrape them off. Some of you are in that right now. Okay? The heat is, the heat is on. (laughs) Some of you are. You are walking right now in a season. You don't understand. You do not understand how a good God could allow you to suffer. And you're feeling abandoned by him. And you're feeling forgotten by him. You're ticked off. But I'm just just gonna tell you this. This is not the end of the story. God is heating you up. All of that is coming to the surface and he's going to scrape it off. And then your faith is going to be like pure gold. You know, I love when I go to the convention, our denomination has a convention where I can talk to these people who are in their 80s and 90s and they've been walking with the Lord since they were just little kids. And I love talking to them because their faith is so pure. It's like they tell stories of impossible situations, situations where there is absolutely no, no way out. And they tell these stories, and it's so, it boosts my faith because you're like, only God could come up with a solution like that. I had a dear friend, and he used to say, the opposite of faith is speculation. You're going to try to figure this out. Let's see. Well, God's not coming through, so uh, let's see. Where's the maidservant, Hagar? Hagar. 
let's go sleep with her. This is an inside joke for those of you who don't know the Bible. There's a story where there's this guy, and he's promised all these kids, and then his wife can't get pregnant, and so then she goes, yeah, go sleep with the maidservant. And then she's ticked about it, <laughs> typical woman. <laughs> but anyway, so, um, but right, isn't there, I mean, that's another situation. I mean, and then Sarah, she, she had gone through menopause years before that. What? <laughs> Surprise, pregnancy test. I mean, imagine, this is an impossible situation. But the Bible says all of the promises of God are true. All of the promises are yes and amen. God's promise is that he will always be faithful. His promise, he, he will always be for you. His promise is he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. His promise is that he will provide for all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. His promise is that he will provide exceedingly abundantly more than all you can imagine or ask. His promise is that he will bless you beyond what you can even comprehend. His promise is he will give you the peace that transcends understanding. And that'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. There are so many promises. And yet we put God on this time frame and we say, well, if you don't come through for me, I'm out of here. Don't we? Or, okay, God, fine. I'm just not going to pray. Right? We have a little tantrum. Stop being a spiritual toddler. Okay? You know, I, I mean, I, I have toddlers, grandchildren, two years old and four years old. And, you know, there are times where, like, they're in the car seat and they want out. And God's going, just trust me. We're not at our destination yet. And some of you, I have to say, you're not at your destination yet. Just relax. Just enjoy the ride. Because God is faithful. God is faithful. Faith is obeying even when we don't fully understand. Faith is saying, you know what, God? I don't get it. I don't see your goodness in this. I don't understand why, even though I'm praying, even though I'm seeking you, even though I'm reading your word, even though I'm doing all the do's, I'm not sensing your spirit. Faith, true faith is saying, I'm going to trust God anyway. Even when I don't see him, you're working, right? Even when I don't feel it, right? You never stop. He never stops working even when we don't see it. When those seeds of some whatever it is he's trying to grow in you are planted so deep that you have no idea what's going on, that's the time to trust. It's easy to trust when everything's going great. It's when we're tested, when we're being tested. One of my favorite Bible teachers is an intellectual named Tim Keller. He pastors in New York, and he's actually really funny about it. Sometimes he, like he confronts New Yorkers. No offense, Ira. Um, Ira's from New York. Um, but he said, now I want you to get this. Worry is always a refusal to assume a humble posture before God. I'm going to say that again. Worry is always a refusal to assume a humble posture before God. Anybody who worries thinks they know better than God. They speculate. They try to figure out, how am I going to make this happen? Oh, let's see. God hasn't brought me a husband yet, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go on Tinder. <laughs> ah, very bad idea. <laughs> and I'm not saying you can't go online to find somebody, but don't try to rush God's plan. Okay? Don't try to rush God's plan. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, Even if we're faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. You know, one day, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was faced with a situation that seemed impossible. And I like to walk, and so I was just walking. 
And I just told the God flat out, I mean, the God, I told God flat out, um, I'm like, I keep it really real with God. And I was just like, God, I trust you, but I don't have any idea how you're going to work this all out. This is just a toxic mess. Like, I literally have no idea how you're going to make this all work out. I'm just keeping it real. And I'm like, but I trust you. But I'm still stressed. (laughs) And this is what the Lord said to me. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Look at the birds of the air. They neither toil nor reap, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. If he feeds the birds of the air, how much more will he meet your needs? Do not worry. Do not worry. Over and over, I just, as I walked, do not worry. Do not worry. And then I started doing it in the accent of Jesus on the chosen. Do not worry. Do not worry. Look at the birds of the air. Do they, they neither soul nor reap. Anyway, but seriously, it's so true, isn't it? We just stress ourselves out. We just get so stressed because we don't know what God's doing. Well, you know what? Can I just say this as nicely as I can? So what? So stinking what? So you don't know how God's going to work it all out, but you know one thing that is true? He is faithful. Even when you're faithless, even when you don't believe it, even when you don't see it, even when you don't feel it, he never stops. He is always going before you. He is always working on your benefit. Jesus is always interceding for you constantly, constantly. You are constantly on his mind. He is thinking of how can I bless my children? How can I bless my beloved children? Even when it looks ugly, even when he's seemingly absent, he is working in you. Maybe he's just teaching you to trust even when you can't see. Remember what Jesus said to Thomas? Remember Thomas doubting Thomas, the poor guy? He, you know, I, until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. Jesus says, you know what? You are blessed. You see it. He goes, but blessed are those who don't see and yet believe. If you want to be blessed, believe. Believe that God is good. Believe that God is faithful. Believe that God's going to come through regardless of how it looks right now, regardless of how dark your situation is. Maybe God won't heal you of your cancer. Can you trust him anyway? Is Jesus enough? It's, um, the, in Hebrews chapter 11, that's the, that's the faith chapter, and there's the hall of faith, not to be confused with the hall of fame. It's the hall of faith, and it says in Hebrews chapter 1, it says, faith is the reality of what is hoped for and the proof of what is not yet seen. Faith is being certain of what you hope for and convinced of what you haven't yet seen. Now, let me just clarify here. This is not when you're like, oh, faith is being sure of what I hope for. I've been hoping for a Ferrari. That's not that. This is putting your hope in the goodness of God. This is putting your hope in the things of the Lord. This is surrendering yourself fully to him. And when you do that, the more that you surrender to God, the more that God gives you the desire for the things that belong to him, the things that please him. Faith is, being, faith is the reality of what is hoped for and the proof of what is not seen. This is the Christian Standard Bible. The way that I memorized it originally is faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not yet seen. And then it goes on and it lists a whole bunch of stories of all these people. Someday I'd like to do, I'd like to really break it all down and really study this this part because all of these, they're listed in the hall of faith. It's Abel, Cain and Abel, remember? Cain and Abel, um, Abel was eventually murdered by his brother. 
dysfunctional family. Um, then there's Enoch, who just walked with God and just never died. Just walk. That's my, man, that's my hashtag life goals. I just want to be out walking with Jesus one day, and then all of a sudden, hey, where's Jody? Whatever ended up happening to her, you know, rather than, oh, I'm lost. I just want to just end up in Jesus's presence. I mean, I don't mind the whole dying thing, but um, Enoch. And then there's Abraham. I already talked about Abraham and Sarah where, you know, they went to plan B, which is never a good option. You never go to plan B with God. You just stick to plan A. Just stick to God's plan. And you might not understand it, but again, you're going to obey. You're going to trust even when you don't see it. That's faith. That is what pleases God. Then there's Moses. I mean, how many stories about Moses through the Bible of him just trusting God? He just trusted God. I mean, he struggled. He was human. And then there's Rahab, who is a prostitute. And she, she had more of a fear of God than she did of man. She was like, I'm going to obey God, even though she could have potentially been killed for that. Then there's Daniel. Remember the story of Daniel and his three bros in the fire? They're like, we don't know what's going to happen, but we know that our God is good. We know that our God is faithful. Okay, try to burn us to smithereens. I mean, it's a win-win for us, basically. And it says they came out and they didn't even smell like smoke. They were in the fire and the, and the, or the Pharaoh was like, turn it up seven times hotter. They did. And it's like, mm, they're just sitting there. I mean, some of you, I'm telling you, this, this is a word of the Lord for you. Wait on him. God is good. God is going to demonstrate his faithfulness to you, even when you don't see it. But can you have faith, even if the outcome isn't what you had hoped for? Can you have faith in God, even if he doesn't heal your relationship? Or even if he doesn't bring your kids back? or even if he doesn't provide for you the way that you want him to provide for you financially, or if he doesn't heal you, is Jesus still enough? Faith is saying, yes, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough for me. Okay, so that's faithfulness. I, I, I just want to say this again. If you're in a situation and you're confused and you're perplexed and you don't understand where God is, please do not turn from him. Don't turn away from the Lord. Press into him because it does say in the Bible, those who seek him with all of their hearts will find him. Now, as Americans, we're not used to having to wait. We have everything we want right now, you know, right? Amazon Prime could be here in... 30 seconds. You know, it's like we're so used to getting everything. We hate the perseverance thing. But perseverance is when your faith is actually purified. Okay? So I'm getting redundant. Okay, gentleness is the second. So faithfulness, gentleness. Now, this isn't just kind of like, I mean, for people like me, it's like when I read this, I'm like, I'm just not very gentle. (laughs) I mean, I have some other strengths, but that's probably, but The true definition of gentle doesn't mean like just really chill or like super laid back and just kind of quiet. That's not really what gentle is. Gentle means mild and meek, which means strength under control. Like you would say, it's like a horse. Horses, I'm just being honest here. Horses scare me because if, if you tick a horse off, just imagine what they could do to you with all that strength. And I know horses are, you know, you can train them and all that, but meekness is like a horse with all of its strength and all of its power, but it can be moved with just slight motion with the hand. That's what meekness is. It doesn't mean wimpiness or weakness. This particular Um, section is actually talking to leaders. Now, if you are a human being, you are a leader of some sort. You are leading someone. Everyone leads someone, either through your example or through, you know, directly. You lead someone. And this is talking about having humility. 
Gentleness means to have humility, to be without pride, and to be respectful of others. And James 4, 6 says, but God gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, now, this is just the word of God. God resists the proud. Okay, now in the world, it's like, oh man, that guy, he's, he's just so proud. That guy's just got great pride. Pride's not a good thing. Pride is not a good thing. It says, God resists the proud, which means thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to, which the Bible says, don't do that. It says you should, you should actually examine yourself and make sure of who you truly are. And if you do that, then you probably will not become prideful. Because all of us are, I mean, we struggle with the flesh. This is just, this, we struggle with our old nature, our sin nature, our own desires, which we'll get into later. But God resists the proud, but he does what? What does he do? He gives grace to the humble. Galatians 6, chapter, or 6 verse 1 says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, a.k.a. sin, transgression, failure, you who are spiritual, so if you, if you name the name of Jesus, it's saying you should restore such a person with a gentle spirit or with the spirit of gentleness, which means a humble spirit, not a pious, self-righteous, I'm so much better than you, I wouldn't stoop to the things you stoop to. That is not going to build anybody up. This is saying, watching out for yourselves so you also won't be tempted. When it's saying here, it's saying to restore someone with gentleness, with humility, with meekness, and it should be for their benefit. I want to just say this unequivocally. If you love to confront people, you probably shouldn't. Okay, because usually when you, when you need to confront someone, it has to be because you've already forgiven that person. You've already worked through the process of forgiving them. It doesn't mean to excuse what they've done and say, that ah, was no big deal, but you've already forgiven them and you're going because of them. You're going for their benefit. You're not going to just get it off your chest because you're so angry. That's not a good time to confront. If you sense even slight, mild irritation with that person, you probably want to just delay the process. But it does say you should go to someone, but do it with humility. Do it without a bunch of pride. Okay, now we're going to get into 2 Timothy 2, verse 23. It says, reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know that they breed quarrels. I want to ask you, I'm going to take a little unofficial poll here. How many of you who are Christians, if you're, if you're a believer in Jesus, how many of you came to Christ because you lost an argument? Right? And yet, sometimes people go on social media and they think that if they make their case strongly enough, then people are going to come to Jesus. No, it's that it doesn't work that way. It's as they'll know that we're Christians when they see the love we have for one another. And incidentally, I want to say this. This is also talking about marital love. This was a, something that someone pointed out to me this week. This is talking about marriage. Because see, your true spirituality is really tested in your home. It's tested with the people that you live with. I mean, it's easy to come to church and be all, you know, how are you? Great. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. So blessed. Hashtag blessed. It's saying here, you should not get into these disputes with people. It says, a Lord's servant must not quarrel. I don't care if it's on social media or live and in person, you must not quarrel, but be gentle, humble, meek, mild, kind, gentle to everyone, including your family, okay? Some of you think that you can be Christ-like everywhere else and then not to your family. That is not, that is not it. The true test is your family, okay? 
That is the true test. How do you treat your wife or your husband or your kids? That is the measure of your spirituality, not what a good face you can put on when you get to church, okay? That seemed kind of harsh. But be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with what? With what? Gentleness. It says, perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. There are two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. This is not talking about Democrats and Republics, Republicans, okay? I'm going to talk about politics, politics for one minute here. Okay, ready? Fasten your seatbelts. Jesus said... Okay, I'm quoting Jesus. My kingdom is not of this world. If you are putting your hope in your political system or in your spiritual leaders, now we are definitely called to pray. Huh? I offended one. <laughs> if we, we are called to pray for our spiritual leaders, okay? But we are not called to put our hope in them. They are human just like we are. They make mistakes, and and if you're putting your hope in the political system, you are going to be disappointed. As a matter of fact, if you put your hope in anyone else besides Jesus, you're going to be disappointed. Our hope is in him all day long, okay? And so here we go again. Social media, what is up with the political rantings? What is, and I'm not on social media very much. I try to limit it, but just rumor has it that there are like these ridiculous controversies and conflicts and disputes and political... Stop that. Please. At least don't tell people you go to the Adventure Church if you do that. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. We need to focus on his kingdom. And I'm not saying don't be politically aware. You should be. You should know what's going on in your country. But why? So that you can pray. Amen. So that you can lift up your leaders, so that you can pray for wisdom for them. You know, I think I told some of you, or maybe I only told first service, um, a, a few weeks ago, I was able to lay hands on the attorney general of Utah and pray over him and prophesy over him. I mean, you know, this is, this is our job as believers is figure out what is God doing and then partner with him in doing that, okay? Amen. All right, self-control. This means, this is the definition, to master one's passions or desires, especially, fill in the blank, especially what? You could say the word in church. Sexual. Sexual desires. This is, we're going to talk about sex in church, okay? Some people don't think you should. This is part of our nature. Ever since there have been human beings, there has been sex. Okay, sorry if you have little kids in here. Okay? But isn't this part of who we are? Right? Like I said, if you are sitting here, it's because somebody had sex at one point. Okay, and what this is talking about here is it's saying, it's saying, master your sexual desires and your sexual passions. But it's not just that. We'll get back to that in a minute, but I want to talk about some other passions, like shopping. What? She went there. (laughs) Some of you, you know, you're, you're empty and you're broken and you're hurting and you're like, I'm going on Amazon. Right? No offense, Amazon employees. <laughs> and you develop Amazonnesia, where you don't remember what in the world you bought, but there's boxes every day when you get home. <laughs> okay? This is not going to fulfill you, and it's going to put you deeper in debt. And some of you, your, your passion is, can I just say this, is work. And you think you're going to find your fulfillment in working. Now, work is a good thing. The Bible says if you don't work, you don't eat. The Bible says that the one who doesn't provide for the needs of his family is worse than an unbeliever. It is important to work. But if you put your hope in your work, what's going to happen? You're going to be disappointed. Ultimately, that is not going to fulfill you. 
I mean, some of you have passions for other things, like weed. Okay, yep, she said it. <laughs> okay, like wine. Ooh, got super quiet. <laughs> Beer. Food. Don't say coffee. Oh, she said it. <laughs> coffee, chocolate. Okay, this is just, and now this isn't to say, oh, if you eat chocolate, you can't be a Christian. This is not saying that. Or if you drink coffee, you aren't going to go to heaven. Or if you overeat, or if you, you know, it's not saying these things, but these things are not beneficial. It says all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. God wants what is best for you. And so self-control is saying no to things that don't bring you life. And I'm not talking about temporary life. I'm talking about life. And now I just want to address all you control freaks. I mean, I didn't say the word freak. I want to address those of you who struggle with control. I want you to examine the reason behind it. As a recovering control freak, I can tell you the reason that you want to control everything on the outside is because you're feeling out of control on the inside. So rather than trying to figure out how you're going to control everyone else, because just, you know, note to self, is not going to happen. You are never going to control anyone else. The only control that's okay is self-control. There's no other control that's, that's going to benefit. And, and, and let me just speak to parents, too, because I think, you know, there's this misnomer that if you control your kids, get your kids under control, that somehow that's changing their heart. That's not changing their heart. Your job as a parent is to train your child's heart to be wise and to seek and serve the Lord, Okay. I mean, you can change their external behavior all day long. It's like the little kid who, his teacher said, Billy, stand up. And he wouldn't stand up. Billy, stand up. No offense if your name's Billy. Billy, stand up. And he stood up. And he goes, I'm standing up on the outside, but I'm sitting down on the inside. <laughs> Some of us are like that. We're doing the right things for God, or we're trying to control other people, thinking that somehow that's going to give us some peace. It's not going to give you any peace. If you struggle with control, I just want to encourage you, just seek the Lord. Just get in his presence and say, Lord, why do I feel this need to control? What is broken in my heart? What is broken in me that makes me feel like I have to control everything? Just invite the Spirit of the Lord to speak to you. And if you're not a person who journals, maybe, you know, just, I, I journal, like I, I type my prayers out because I can type faster than I can write. <laughs> but if you struggle with control, the Lord wants to deliver you because I just want to let you know you don't have any control. Heber even said that. He goes, we don't have any control. We can't control our circumstances. We can't control other people. We can't control anything except by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have self-control. And I just want to speak deliverance over some people here. You're struggling with control. You're feeling like you're losing it. And I just want to say Jesus has freedom for you. I'm a recovering control freak, as I said, and it was a painful process because by virtue of the characteristic of control, it doesn't want to let go of control. But Jesus has freedom for you. Okay, we're going to talk about sex again. <laughs> Woo! Right? Just kidding. The story of Joseph in Genesis 39. Okay, so the story of Joseph, I can't get into the whole thing epic story, amazing story. Joseph was, 
I mean, at first, it's like he had all these amazing dreams and all these things, these great things are going to happen. And then Joseph ends up going through so many storms, so many trials, so many hardships. Ultimately, however, he ends up in the home of Potiphar, who was the, the national leader at the time. And Potiphar has a really hot wife. And it says also Joseph was really hot. And so Potiphar leaves. So Joseph is there alone in the house with the hot wife. He's hot, and so she's like, hey, let's be together. And he's like, oh, no, your, your husband has given me everything. He's given me everything in, up in his kingdom except for you. No, I, I could never do that. Well, she just keeps, you know, seducing and seducing and trying all of her, you know, trying to control, you know. She's trying so hard to get him to sleep with her. Okay, now, gentlemen, I just want to ask you, Honestly, please do not raise your hand. <laughs> but if you were alone in a house with a hot woman who is hot for you, could you run away and leave everything about yourself? Could you say no? See, sexuality is a very powerful force. God did that on purpose. But if you don't get it under control, it'll take you down. As a matter of fact, the Proverbs say that it'll reduce you to a loaf of bread. It'll steal everything. It'll rob everything from you. And true character is what you do when no one else is looking. That consistency of character. Imagine, so like for my grandchildren, um, we have these cameras, like when they spend the night at my house, I have these cameras and I can watch them. It kind of sounds creepy, but imagine that was you, that there's always a camera on you at all times recording what you're doing. You'd probably be a lot nicer, wouldn't you? You'd probably be a lot more gracious and kind and, is it just me? Wouldn't you? If you knew there was always somebody watching you, but here's the thing, there is. It says, the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the earth, seeking those whose hearts are wholly his, completely his. He's looking for people who are honoring him across the board, who are consistent in their character, who don't cheat on their taxes, who don't rob their company. You know, I, I took a class and it talked about organizations and how much how many billions and billions of dollars are wasted every year because employees are on social media rather than doing their job. If you are a person and you're spending time on social media and you're getting paid to do it, you are stealing from your company. Okay? That one was free. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has come upon you except what is common to humanity. No temptation has come upon you. Now, so going back, talking about Potiphar's hot wife, okay? I mean, we are sexual beings, and we can talk about that in church, okay? We talk about food in church. We talk about sleeping sometimes, but we do need to talk about this because this is prevalent. This is not a new thing, Sexual desire is not a new thing. This has been going on since the beginning of humanity. And, and let's just imagine you're walking down the street. I mean, you're going to be attracted to someone besides just the person that you marry. I think we come into it thinking, oh, well, I'm going to marry this person and I'm so attracted to them and I will never have eyes for anyone else. Whenever I hear young couples tell me that, I'm like, <laughs> Oh, this is going to be a long one. <laughs> because you are going to. And like I told first service, you know, some, sometimes you walk down the road and you see some and you're like, mm, I want to hit that. Guys <laughs> are... Right? If you say you don't, I am going to call you out right now and tell you you're a liar. <laughs> I mean, you might have other issues, but really, that is part of who we are. We are humans. 
and, and it's not a matter of if you look, okay? Because you're going to look. I mean, unless you're blind. And if you are, let's, we can pray for you at the end. But you are, even if you're blind, you're going to think thoughts. I mean, but you're going to look. It's not a matter of if you look or not. It's how long do you look? How many times do you look? And what are you thinking about when you're looking? That determines if it's sin or not, okay? So to have, to have a sexual attraction, that's not a sin. Because it says, there's no temptation except what is common to humanity, okay? It says, but, and I love this, but God is faithful. Check this out. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able God is never going to put you in a situation where he's like, well, you're going to stumble and I'm going to laugh. He is never going to put you in a situation where you can't run away. I just prayed with someone who, was, who just told me after first service, they said that they're here to get clean. They've been clean for 11 days now. And I said, this verse is for you. This is a promise for you. There's no temptation. God will never allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to what does it say here? What you are able. The version I memorized said able to um, endure. It says, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way out so that you may be able to bear it. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's hopeful. He will never tempt you beyond what you're able to bear. Some people confuse this this passage, and they say, oh, God will never allow you to go anything, go through anything that you're not able to endure. Yeah, he does. That's, this isn't saying this. This is saying he's not put, putting you in a situation that you're too tempted. God will allow you to go through things that are beyond what you're able to endure so that you can be desperate for him. Okay, and that's what I'm saying about some of you who are in the fire right now. You are desperate for God, and as you turn to him, he will demonstrate his faithfulness, and he will help you not to sin in the midst of whatever it is you're going through. Because our temptation is if we don't get our way, and God doesn't do what we want right away, then we turn to sinful things. And he's saying, no, I will, I'll give you a way out. But you know, every time you give in to your temptation, it makes it harder to say no the next time. Every time you say no to that thing that's tempting you, it makes it easier for you to say no next time. That's the nature of addiction. Okay? So whatever it is that you're addicted to, just say no today. You know, like the AA slogan, just get through today, one day at a time. Don't tell yourself, I have to go the rest of my life without ever doing that. Just say, hey, I'm just going to get through today without smoking or drinking too much wine or looking at porn or lusting after someone. You know, I'm just going to get through today, okay? One day at a time. Because it says he will give you a way out. Jesus will give you a way out. And it says here in Galatians 5.25, to just wrap up this little cul-de-sac venture, if we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, and envying one another. This is saying that if you want to walk in the Spirit of God, be attuned to what the Holy Spirit's doing around you. And I just want to say this. A dear friend of mine told me this yesterday. The longer you're stuck in your funk and in your stuff and your and your whatever it is you're going through, the less of a blessing you can be to other people. So you're actually robbing other people. So get through your stuff and say, Lord, what are you doing in my midst? Because I want to be part of it. You know, that's like, the, that's like the prayer that says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, let me be used by you, by you, Lord. Let me be filled with your spirit so I can keep in step with your spirit so that I can walk in such a way that is a blessing to other people and I can walk in such a way that I can honor you with my life and I can see a, an effect and an impact spiritually in the kingdom of darkness. There's only two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Walk in step with the Spirit and you will see the kingdom of light. Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your sacrifice on the cross. We thank you 
that you love us with an everlasting love and you have drawn us with your kindness, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that God, we, none of us are worthy, Lord, to save ourselves. Lord, we, we need you and we thank you that you provided a way for us, Lord. You provided yourself so that we could be saved. We humble ourselves before you, Lord. We ask that you would fill us to overflowing. Fill us with your spirit, Lord. Give us faith. Increase our faith, Lord. Increase our faith, Lord. And for those who are going through the fire right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, I pray for, for just faith for them to believe, God, that you are doing a good thing even when we don't see it, even when we don't feel it. You are at work building and growing. I just pray for your comfort, Lord. Pray for those who are in grief. Pray for those who are mourning, Lord. I pray you would comfort them. And I pray, Lord, that you would help each one of us have that gentleness, that humility of recognizing our own weaknesses and our own failures, Lord. And Lord, I, I just ask God that you would help us have self-control. Lord, we could say no to our fleshly passions. We could say no to the things that tempt us. God, we do thank you that you have promised that you would provide these things for us. And we bless you, Lord. We pray that we could be fruit smoothies for you, Lord, that we could demonstrate that evidence that we are walking in step with your spirit. If you're a person and you have never surrendered to Jesus, you have never received forgiveness for your sins, I just want to say today is a day. Surrender today. Jesus wants to provide a, a life of abundance for you. He wants to give you satisfaction and peace and joy. And I'm not saying satisfaction with things of the world, but inner peace. He wants to give you the peace of God. If you have never surrendered to him, I just want to ask if you'd just slip up your hand just between you and me. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody? Anybody else? All right. Well, Lord, for those who don't know you, who are hearing this, I just ask God that you would just continue to draw them by your Holy Spirit, Lord. You would continue to show them that you are real. Lord, and for the rest who are here, I just pray for your blessing. God, I pray for your protection and your favor and your grace and your peace. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Next week, I am going to talk about the, the return of Christ, the second coming of Christ to the earth. So please um, bring your friends, bring your enemies, more importantly. And I love you guys, and I will see you next week. Thank you for joining us online. God bless. <laughs>